0: I don't think we met before, but I'm the referee on this field.
1: Leinster could have me five mil a year, I wouldn't go. <laughs> it is Tommy
0: Rugby Rugby Weekly. Little
1: reverse pass. Hello! Oh, Magic!
0: Hello, and a very warm welcome to the 42 Rugby Weekly. Gavin Casey with you here wins for all of the Irish provinces in the United Rugby Championship over the weekend. Leinster, the champions, narrowly avoiding becoming the first province in four years to lose the very spirit of dragons. A job well done by Ulster, who went ham in Parma. Jesus Christ, who wrote this? Monster weathered some early bluster at home to the very entertaining stormers. And after having the red rag waved tauntingly in front of them, Connacht earned a routine victory swatting aside the rugby arm of a little-known South African telecommunications company and joining us to chat about it all and look ahead to this weekend's action as well. Uh, Murray Kinsella, how are you? I'm good, your intros are getting more Alan Partridge-esque by the week, Gav. That sounds terrible, thank you. And Bernard Jackman,
1: (laughs) how are you, sir? Chapeau, chapeau. Uh, no, very good, Gav. I love it. Yeah, creative. Uh, back to your creative best. Uh, all good. Quite weak. Um, no no, no. PSG, no harassing. Um Yeah, so I'm just a bit of a come down, but um, yeah, looking forward to the weekend.
0: Yeah, should be a good one. We'll chat about it all. Murray, what about that ragtag bunch of hand-me-down merchants out west on Friday? Did they ever stand a chance
2: against Andy Friend's connacht <laughs> yeah, for a bunch of Lencer rejects, Connacht have really impressed us there, haven't they? It was just weird comments to make before a, before a match. One that's even more satisfying for them in the light of the Jake White comments.
0: Birch, people people will be aware of the comments at this point. It's Thursday, but I'd love to get your interpretation of it as somebody who's come across wide in a professional environment, but also as somebody who has coached at this level. I have no idea what he was trying to achieve by attempting to wind up the opposition, particularly when you're going to Galway, like that seems like a, a rookie error. It felt like maybe the comments were actually aimed more towards the other South African franchises and taking the piss out of them a little bit. And maybe he didn't realise that he was stirring the pot so much with Connick, yeah. I don't
1: know. No, look at Jake. Um, Jake's very funny, but he doesn't intend to be. It's just uh, his ego. His ego is 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 absolutely classic. I mean, you know, anyone who speaks about uh, who refers to himself in the third person um a lot you, you you know they've got a high opinion themselves but i i, I met him first uh in marcusi where we were um going through a screening process to get on the french pro license and um effectively to get your pro license in france you you, n- you need a badge or or an armband to be able to go on the sideline which is a huge thing in in france but also the club gets a grant back for every licensee they have in the in the club so jacob just arrived in in Montpellier. And Altrad sent him to Marcusi to try and get on this course. And it's basically 12 weeks over the course of the year, Monday to Thursday. And um, anyway, the the morning is a one-on-one interview to test your uh, motivation. um, Two, you present your philosophy around coaching, uh, game strategy. And the other part was an analysis of a piece of uh, footage, how you would actually rectify and change your training week. And, you know, Jake didn't have a word of French. He didn't bring a translator with him. And, you know, while... The club scene in France is a mix of English and French. You can definitely get away without any French at the start. Um, in the French Federation, it's hardcore. You either speak French or or you don't get uh, listened to. And I I just said to Jake at lunch, having having had the morning doing all these different tests, and like I couldn't imagine how his interview went because he said to me that basically it was over after two minutes because the guy refused to speak English. And uh, so uh, we're sitting down in the in the in the food hall. There's a hundred coaches there. There's twenty five places. And I was just trying to make conversation to be honest. And I just said, Oh, Jake, do you think um, do you think you'll get on the course? You know? Um, and I wasn't his coaching ability, it was his lack of French, was was my point. And he put his hand on my on my knee and he goes, Bernard, Bernard, my son, look around. And he does this like, look around. <laughs> so we look back and there's there's ninety-eight other coaches or ninety yeah, ninety-seven other coaches or ninety eight other coaches there. And uh, he goes, How many of these these oaks have won a World Cup? Right, <laughs> and I went uh, none, and he goes Bernard, I'll be on the course. So I got great satisfaction. I got great satisfaction on Monday when I got the email and looked down to the twenty-five, and there was no Jake White. So um yeah, that's just the way he is, and, and 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 I wouldn't have bothered him. He would have forgot about it. But I, I find it very interesting. Like, he usually has this attitude of, if I coach a team, we can beat anybody, right? And that, that's the way he is. And uh it's basically no one smarter than Jake, and. It was really weird. The, the the month going into Leinster, he was talking Leinster up as if they were unbeatable. It was the greatest team of all time, which is very unlike him. And obviously his team played a little bit like that. They you know they were they stood off them. They were a little bit overawed. And then the week after, he goes completely the other way and he's just totally disrespectful uh, to Connacht. And I, I knew this was going to happen because um, I got word on Thursday uh, that the the Bulls. We're, we're referring to Galway as being like Kimberley, right? So Kimberley is a mining town in South Africa. Uh, no disrespect to anyone from Kimberley, but like it's a, it's a bleak enough place to go. And um, they stayed on the outskirts of Galway, and they did their captain's run on the sports ground. But I don't think they actually ever went in further into Galway. So you know, their impression was, oh, we're in this, um, you know, outpoint in the, in the middle of nowhere. The pitches, stadium, like they, they like the fairness in South Africa, the stadiums are. Top class. So you know the Loftus, Loftus is is phenomenal. You know they played in the Viva the week before, uh, but I think he completely lost the plot. And uh, you know that message subliminally goes into the players' heads as well. And Connor, uh, Connor didn't give him a uh, um, bar, bar that first try. Connor didn't make it comfortable for him in any way. And, and and it was a brilliant performance.
0: Yeah, it certainly was. Ultimately, Connacht battered them, Murray, and what was probably most impressive about it was early doors, even aside from the Bulls' try, it felt like they were losing some of the physical collisions. You kind of felt a little bit concerned for them if the game continued in this this trajectory or in this pattern that things might get ugly. And they really just turned it on its head and they became the unstoppable force in that game, sort of sent the Bulls home packing, really, and with their tails between their legs.
2: Yeah, they bullied them, really, in... in the course of the 75 or 70 minutes after that rocky start and you look at the all. even their first try the Connacht Mall comes 10 metres forward batters through the Bulls defence and, and leads to a lovely bit of interplay by the Connacht midfield who were so impressive there was a brilliant bit of mall defence then in the kind of coming towards the 30 minute mark in the Connacht 22 where the Bulls are 10 metres out and they think this is a chance to swing momentum and they do really well to stop them they had some excellent defensive sets in their own 22 again Connacht and they just battered people in the tackle. Finley Beelan was leading the way. I thought he was so physical. Yeah, the likes of Keen Prendergast, Jordan Duggan, younger guys stepping up in that regard and and yeah, bullying guys who have a bigger C V and a longer experience in the game. So that was wonderful for Connick to see because that's Often a question around them in those those bigger games, but it was really aggressive and physical and relentless. One of those words that they've identified as a key theme for them this season. Like You love to see how they just did not take the foot off the throat. Right at the end, the rain's absolutely, I was going to say coming down, but coming sideways in across the pitch and you think they could just put the feet up here for the last few minutes, but they go and score another try and just hammer it home. So I suppose for Jake White, it's a kind of Jamie Vardy thing. If you're going to chat shit, like, that's what can happen. you got to back it up on the pitch and they absolutely didn't. And it is fascinating to see how he and his team are, are treating this. Even after the Leinster match, he's talking about salary caps and those kind of concerns. I mean, he has a squad full of good players there and and they haven't been up to to scratch yet. Obviously, really early days, really challenging, coming on tour after playing a, a Curry Cup campaign and plenty of rugby before that as well. It's been a weird, really weird year for South African rugby, but... They haven't turned up as yet, and and he needs to kind of look closer to home to to get his his stuff sorted.
1: Just on that, Maria, I think um, I think the South Africans will get better, but I think we need to appreciate and understand how hard touring is if you don't have the financial. It's not about salaries; it's about the capacity to do things that are interesting during the week. And and you know, you've toured, you've toured with with uh, Irish teams and and Lions tours, etc. It's it's breaking up that monotony, and that's what I worry about. the South Africans, uh, you know, are they able to go and play golf on a Wednesday, or are they able to get out and about and just have a meal somewhere else, or do the Guinness, you know, tour, or whatever it is? The, you know, um, Giants Causeway. It's, it's, it's it, like in fairness to me, the Bulls look mentally um, fatigued, etc. In fairness to the Stormers, you know, John Dobson is the complete opposite of, of Jake White, and that it's all about. The, envi- you know, the environment and, and making a happy camp. And I'm having a few points with them tonight, so I'll learn a bit more about that. But uh, no, but it, it's just getting that balance right, and particularly for them, because obviously it's so expensive here compared to when they're spending the ran, But also, now they're going to, you know, it's a four week tour, and now there's a very strong chance that their home games are going to be in Italy. So that's, I wouldn't worry about the quality of the South Africans or the physicality or, or the match sharpness. It, I would worry about how hard it's going to be for them. Been away for such a long period, and maybe not being able to enjoy touring as much as as the Northern Hemisphere teams when they go down to South Africa and you're doing a safari and you're doing Vic Falls or whatever you're doing, you know that's just uh, something that maybe we don't appreciate, um, and it could certainly be something that that could, I suppose, uh, lessen their their chance of being as competitive as they probably should be.
2: Hmm. They need more nights out. The Stormers were out in Dublin last night. I interviewed your man Evan Roos. The really impressive number. Eight. I was chatting to him last night. And he was bursting to get off the phone because the rest of the lads were waiting for him to go in for a pint in in Dublin. So a bit of, a bit of culture as well is is key. Bert, how did Connacht actually win that game? To your mind,
0: because on Monday Murray and Owen had a great chat about say ball and play time, and obviously you could see even with the untrained eye that the tempo at which they were playing became. Sort of unsustainable from the Bulls' point of view, and, and very difficult to defend against. But like when you're coming away from watching that game, particularly given the start, how did they turn it, and how did they turn the screw ultimately?
1: Yeah, I, I thought the ball and play time um, in the first half, you know, paid off in the second half. Uh, so there was one example where it was a really long phase, and, and you probably talked about this, Murray, but it uh, it was this loud this loud try down the right hand side where the Bulls, you know, didn't get touch on an exit. And Connor uh, kind, of, kind of did a little one-two down down the right-hand side. and I got blown back for for a forward pass, but I mean the lack or the 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 the, the weakness of the Bulls' kick chase in that moment was like wow, they're really struggling when, when the ball goes is in play for more than two and a half minutes or, or whatever, and back to back. So I thought Connor kept the ball on the field pretty well. Um, their variation in terms of their line-out attack. Um, they you know, they went through the Bulls rather than around them, which everyone thinks, oh, we're playing a big pack here. We need to we need to play wide wide. But they actually were really direct and they went into that seam at the back of the line out over and over again. They only tried the mall once, and that mall led to the Tierno Halloran try because, you know, they they they, had, they conserved their energy and then they went after the bulls and, and and it was a very good technically built mall that got got away down the open side and, and um they, they they sheared off and that, that led to the uh, to the tightness in the Bulls' defence, and then the second half again, they just went up the middle, picking goals, picking goals, uh, before they went uh, wider. So I thought tactically, and that's something you know Murray spoken about in his piece about you know Andy Friend wants to be fast, relentless, and adaptable. And when they reviewed Cardiff, they felt there was times when they didn't show that adaptability, and I thought they adapted really well uh, against the Bulls. Um, they, they still had high ball and play time, so they were played fast, but they. They were more direct than they normally are. And in fairness, that's something that's around the Bulls' defence as well. There is a lot of holes around the Rook, um, and there was against Leinster as well. So they spotted that and they exploited it. And it was um, to get the bonus point win. And, you know, there was a lot of question marks, new coaching staff. um, You know, to lose that game would have been massive uh, for them. And I just think it'll settle everyone down. It'll get the players to really believe in what they've been trying to do. Uh, Because they've had a tough preseason, you know, two heavy defeats in the friendlies. Uh, So yeah, I I think it's it's an absolute massive result for Connacht. I still worry about their their ability, you know, over the course of the season in terms of squad depth, etc. But that was a a a really good start for them at home.
0: Yeah, we've spoken in the past, Mario, I suppose, about that need for consistency, which even as a piece of phraseology can be a bugbear for a lot of people. But ultimately, with Connacht, it's literally true. You just want to see them back that now with a similar type of performance, similar victory, and put together a string of them, really, without interruption. Is that possible for them? Is it sustainable, that type of performance that they produced
2: on Friday night? Yeah, I think so. And if they can avoid injuries is a big part of that. You know, you saw Leva Fafita come off the bench and add a huge amount really across the board he's a big unit obviously powerful but good line-out skills he's well able to handle an offload as well and if you can have a bit of competition for places it, it adds massively to that effort really good chance to roll on now against Dragons on Saturday they're at home again it'd be really nice for him to get that bit of momentum early in the season and then importantly just to I suppose for the coaches to have to keep pressure on players to to back that up individually because there's so many good and it was a really collective cohesive performance but so many of the individuals within that played really outstandingly well. We've mentioned a couple of them. Obviously, Matt Hansen had his big moment and really impressed with his score. You had Tom Farrell, I thought, just reminding everyone of how classy a rugby player he is he had a bit of an injury nightmare obviously last season but he was so integral to to all things he finished his try really well showed his pace he had that offload before the Tierno Halloran try some lovely straightening lines one instance where he kind of feeds Tom Daly on his shoulder just straightening up and popping it off to his to his right hand side really well involved and running excellent lines whenever they had set piece plays as well as a bit of physicality and, and some good reads in, in defence so I mean, he's a bit of a game changer for him when he's he's fully fit, such a, a creative presence. So guys like that being at that level every week makes it much easier as well. So yeah, fingers crossed for him on the injury front because when the squad is a relatively small squad, but when everyone is fit, it's it's a really nice balanced squad. Yeah, Birch justice for Mac the
0: Knife Hansen made butter of the Bulls' defence. And I think when he signed, not a direct quote from you, but you said something along the lines of, he's an absolutely woeful rugby player, but were you impressed by him on Friday?
1: <laughs> no, I thought he was good against Cardiff. Um, look, that's the, unfortunately, that's the market that Andy Friend operates in, where he has to try and find those rough diamonds, and in and, and fairness to him, he's done it again. Uh, like, Papali, Papali was a cheap boy. He had to wait for him. He had discipline issues, but, you know, he saw him that first half. I, I thought he was exceptional. So, Andy Friend, um, is 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 very very shrewd in in the market, but it's a gamble. And in fairness to Mac Hansen, you know, against Cardiff in a losing team, I thought he was really impressive. And then he had that moment uh, of, of of brilliance against the Bulls, and he looks he looks really good. Um, and he could be a key man for them. In fairness, again, I have to say, I mean, if you're Jake White, you're going like it's rugby one on one when you put up a box kick. That there's a there's there's pressure in behind. So Hansen did brilliantly, but if you're you know from a Bulls point of view, that's too soft, you, you know. But let's 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 applaud um, the brilliant finish from from Hansen. And, he, and as I said again, I think I think he 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 started incredibly well, and you know that's if if he can prove to be a you know a double the price he's cost type of player, well then that's that's brilliant for Conner.
2: And just on the the coaching side of it, Gav, like as Bernard mentioned, a new team settling in and a great day for them defensively obviously Com Tucker going to be so happy with that we're repelling repeated Bulls attacks and and dominating them physically and then from the attack we saw loads of really nice ideas Peter Wilkins has really got his hands on that now and having switched over from defence is leading that they scored off set-piece obviously they had another number of breaks even some of those clever little maul breaks I know you shared a video Birch of some of them and simple options well executed, everyone in the right place, running genuine lines, even if they're not getting the ball. Um, And they executed that really well. So himself and and Mossy Lawler helping out in that regard are are going to be really pleased. And fingers crossed that they can continue in that vein because it was really accurate and really sharp and really energetic. Certainly was. Put some respect on Connacht's name. Birch,
0: over in your old stomping ground, your old province or your old team uh, had a difficult enough old day Is it a blip for Leinster that they perform that way or is it an actual genuine concern?
1: I think it's a blip, to be honest. I'd imagine they'll they'll bounce back. uh, The last performance like that for for me was was when they beat Zebra away 3-0 about two years ago. I was over there. There was a load of intent. They started fast. They were in the right part of the field. The conditions were really bad. I mean, it was a monsoon that morning. um, It was actually... Harder to play with the ball in hand. and the fairness of the Dragons, they they effectively just parked the bus and, and just tried to play territory. Didn't really uh, overplay. I thought um, Sam Davies and, and Josh Lewis managed the territorial battle pretty well. Um, and Leinster look, looked like they were going to pull away. I mean, they just didn't score. Obviously, you got the Max Deegan try, but they had a couple of chances, um, very good chances in the Dragons 22, particularly when the Dragons were down to 13. Ross Byrne kicked one dead. Um, you know, Connor Bryan got stripped a couple of times, James Gibson Park knocked it on the back of the rook. And, and as they made those mistakes, it just uh, it, it, they just seemed to get really flustered, which is totally unlike them. And it became contagious. And then you had guys coming off the bench and missing their cue at line out time. Ryan Baird, you know, knocked on three or four balls, gave away a penalty. But if I, I actually I would take the opposite. A lot of people are quite critical of Ryan Baird. I w- I was actually impressed by no matter how badly things were going he was offering himself up he 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 kept coming looking for for short lines off nick mccarthy when other players would just stay a little bit deeper catch it in in their own time but they're not going to do any damage so i i would see okay he's got to fix it but i would see a lot i liked about his hunger to to keep going at dragons even though he was obviously having a, a, a bad day um yeah and it, it was just just got caught in a complete rut, and then at the end, they were they were kind of hanging on. I mean, the Dragons get a penalty, 60, fifty yards out. Sam Davies kicks it and they lose. So I think they got onto the bus relieved. I think the review on Tuesday would have been pretty damning, and I would expect a backlash. and And I would I wouldn't expect Lancers to dip as much now. Credit the Dragons. I said they, they played a smart tactical game. They they put a lot of pressure on the ball carrier, uh, particularly as you know as he fell, went for those strip a few times. Um, they had a rush defense. I thought Leinster would be disappointed. Ross Rossburn got spooked a bit by by that outside pressure, and they kept playing back inside passes or or running back in, so they got very narrow. And I thought, I thought it was it was definitely, and it wasn't. Look at the way it worked out with the rain, the way the game went. I think if you have a five-three bench split, um, you can get Frawley on early as a twelve, and you then have that player to get around that that rush, and because. They only had Nick and, and, and Kieran Frawley as the back subs. Royal Auckland got a headbang, I think, around the fifty-fifth minute. So he went for his HIA. Frawley goes on the wing. It just it just took away that ability to to change it up tactically, which I think I would imagine Stewart would have would have wanted to do, but that's the that's the gamble you take when you go uh, 6 two. And and in fairness, yeah, the dragons the dragons uh, have a very good pack, very good back five. Um with full international uh you know back row and second rows now and they're not going to be a pushover for anybody. They probably just need to need to get a little bit more creative um, themselves, you know?
0: Murray, just to talk about some of those errors, I feel like we have inquisitions into anything resembling a performance like this by Leinster because they hold themselves to such a high standard and therefore we hold them to that same standard. But when you look at the actual lineup or the match day 23 and how experimental it is or almost developmental it is in certain positions. And you have a number of guys who are putting their hand up for the season, really. And some guys who might not see a great deal of game time over the course of the season. The errors are bound to almost compound upon each other, aren't they? I I guess I'm trying to be forgiving in the sense that guys are actually desperate to impress. And sometimes when you have
2: too many guys like that on a pitch, uh, not everything is well-oiled or particularly fluid. Mm. And it's interesting how Leinster are viewing this, certainly publicly. Talking to Rob McBride this week, he spoke about how there are actually fewer opportunities now for squad players, for younger players, given the rejig of the URC and fewer international overlaps, that these opportunities are going to be fewer and fewer. It's even more pressurising in terms of taking them. So I think people will feel they've missed an opportunity here. However, an experience like this is sometimes as valuable as are more valuable actually than hammering a team 40-50 nil racking up a big score as we saw and have seen quite a quite a bit over the, the last number of years. The players have been exposed to a very different scenario where they're under pressure, probably didn't handle it well and and as you say kind of compounded. Um and it totally was that case. 30 turnovers conceded is just unheard of with, with Leinster and the lack of conversion in the 22 unheard of as well. They had 16 entries and obviously just one score. They're so clinical, usually we're, we're waxing lyrical about it and this was the exact opposite. I agree with Bernard, I think it is a, a blip but it'll be interesting to hear or we probably won't hear the complete honesty around their view of their approach, of their mindset going into it, whether it was complacency, whether they didn't respect the opposition enough or the conditions enough or the tactical approach as Bernard says of of the line speed in their defence and, and managing that and putting down in their mind with, with a kicking game which they did well against the Bulls I thought um, so there's a range there of really valuable learning experiences it may have seemed like a dire day and something that sets people's careers back but or, or makes it count against them in, in terms of selection but I think they got more out of this than they would have racking up a, a 35 40 nil kind of scoreline
1: yeah I, I just a lot of people saying no, oh those players will never play again that's nonsense I mean they will um, and the reality is that Leinster's training environment is is so competitive that they can show form at that on a, on a, on a stew Tuesday or whatever. So I, I agree, Murray. I think it wasn't pretty, um, but they got the win. And definitely there'll be elements to that that they've learned a huge amount from. And that's, to been the big criticism we've had of the Pro 14 um, in the past was that Leinster, Munster, Ulster only get tested against each other or, you know, in, in a European crunch game. Whereas even though, you know, the Dragons aren't Toulouse or, or 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 Saracens, there's still a lot to be got from actually, you know, getting exposed in certain areas and um, being able to go out and fix them. What have you made of the Welsh
0: region's input to the competition so far, Bernard? Scarlet seem to enjoy themselves at the weekend. Obviously, Dragons did pretty well against Leinster and then you had Ospreys and Cardiff playing against each other. It's been an ongoing concern for people outside of Wales, I guess, this sense that we get from our welsh friends be it in the media or just rugby fans on social media and so on that they really just couldn't give a shit about any iteration of this competition they want to cozy up with their neighbors in england and do something new um and yet they are a, a really important part of this if it is going to be a success the urc so just two weekends in could to get your impression of i guess yeah. yeah how they've performed and how it feels to you
1: I think this league is, is much better and it's much better not just because of South Africans because we're still waiting for them. It's better because the Welsh and the Scots and Bennett on our back. Um, competitive, uh, you know, looking hungry, looking together. And the four Welsh teams uh, for me are, are very even. I mean, the Ospreys just beat the Dragons the week before in a Welsh derby. Um, you know, Ospreys beat Cardiff in a, in a tight game and, and the Scarlets, Scarlets look good. And you look at, they've actually benefited from COVID in, in, in terms of Being able to build better squads, and um, that sounds a bit stupid, but my explanation of that is that they the players took a twenty five percent pay cut. All right, Uh, it wasn't a deferred payment; they've taken a twenty five percent pay cut. But the Dragons' budgets haven't been reduced. Sorry, the four regions' budgets haven't been reduced by twenty five percent. So effectively, that extra twenty five percent has gone into being able to recruit or or build better squad depth. So, I mean, that's probably one one part of it um and uh you know and and then again there's there have been able to bring back some guys from 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 Wales so the dragons have been able to bring back Will Rollins the the second row, and he's now you know paired up with Ben Carter who came through the academy the osprey's um the osprey's are very well coached under Toby Boot. you know very well drilled forward wise but now they've got um uh Gareth uh come back, you know, a, a world class, a world class 10. So that's added to the likes of Reese Webb who they brought back from Toulon, you know, two two seasons ago. You have George North, you have Alan Wynne Jones, you have Justin Tipperick to come, you know, to to, to build a, a team around. And the Scarlets, the Scarlets of Fairness, they you know they went through a really rough patch for the last two years, but Dwayne is back. Um they have good players, you know, um both Welsh internationals and some foreign players. And uh, you know they play a great brand of rugby, and I think they'll be competitive. I don't think any of the Welsh regions will win it, but um, they're certainly. I think they're galvanised by this new qualification for Europe and the the new structure of the competition. No, I know that. Obviously, the Welsh derbies are going to be huge, but they need to try and pick up points um, away from home as well to to be the best of the of the Welsh regions and try and get into the European Cup. So. Um, yeah, I think the Welsh are in a in a decent place for, for sure, and I think that's probably something that the Dragons have improved a lot. The Dragons have a good squad now, um, and the others are the, the, the budgets are kind of quite are nearly nearly equal now. The Scarlets are and Ospreys are a little bit ahead of Cardiff and Dragons, but it's not a three or four million difference. It, the, they're quite close. So and you can see that when you look at the the best fifteen they can put out.
2: They're encouraging signs really across the competition early on, and it is very early days, and things will settle as well. But The match I enjoyed most so far is edinburgh Scarlets in round one. I thought Edinburgh were absolutely excellent. Mike Blair has gone in as coach there. Really clever attacking coach. I know they lost to Benetton in dramatic circumstances last weekend, but again, there was plenty of quality on show. And Glasgow, with Nigel Carroll in there as attack coach now, gave Ulster a real fright in round one. And then they uh, dismantled the Sharks really there at the the weekend. And, And they're Squad has really regenerated. Even Sione tui Pilatu in the centre looks like a brilliant signing. Jack Dempsey rampaging last weekend. He's come in from Australia as well. So it would just be wonderful if those teams as well can be competitive. Benetton two from two rolling on from the Rainbow Cup success. And I think we'll probably talk about them a little bit later on, but that's what you want right across the board. This weekend Sunday is the most interesting fixture for me. Munster away to Scarlet. It's like a... Obviously Munster are going to want to win that one and Munster fans are hoping for it, but you'd almost love to see Scarlets give them a, a real close contest. Dwayne Peel, again, we know him from working in Ulster and, and how smart he is. They have an Irish defence coach in Hugh Hogan who'll have a bit of insight, obviously, into, into Munster. So that's a really interesting kind of barometer for them early in the season. Yeah,
0: Scarlets did put it up to Munster early last season, didn't they? Took a Ben Healy penalty from... I don't know, I think he kicked it from Scotland, basically, but that should be a good one. We'll chat about Munster while we're on the topic then, right? And first and foremost, Murray, they did well to actually win that game. And uh, I say that even though probably all three of us, and I'd say nearly every Monster fan watching the game, suspected that they would win the game, even when they were 15-0 or down or so, you know? Um yeah, I don't. Is that just because they're monster? I'm not sure. Like maybe there was just a sense of it was a slow start. They couldn't be this bad for the rest of the game. They're at Thoma and Park and so on. And so it proved. Um, so credit where it's due. Firstly, I just wanted to ask you about one of Juan Van Graan's comments after the game where he said, quite rightly, he's not going to turn his nose up at four forward strides in the second half. And ultimately that is what won Munster the game. I suppose my concern would be that we sort of know who how that movie ends. When you get to the business end of a season, if that is your only means of problem solving or turning a game, Munster haven't traditionally had enough in the last 10 years, really, but certainly in recent years, uh, to change the course of a game that isn't going their way against, uh, say, more seasoned opposition at that stage of the season than the Stormers were on Saturday. So... Uh, I want to give them credit for winning if you know what I mean but I'm asking you like is this sort of going roughly the same way as previous seasons because when push came to shove they found their way of winning again but just that we've seen it might not work in the deep end of a season
2: Yeah and that's the fascinating thing that we discussed in our season preview we'll we'll only learn really later in the, the season for this game how they adapted was absolutely the correct path and they deserve credit for that they started to kick longer they went to that mall, which is such a brilliant weapon. They're close in finishing as well. And it helps when you have someone like Orgy Snyman coming off the bench and just swatting people aside for a score. But they adapted really well. I think the Peter Omani try-save was an unbelievably big moment in the game because the Stormers had so much momentum. and Another score there does make it a really difficult scoreboard task. Whatever about the awareness that Munster were going to stop giving them so much incredibly cheap access. The Stormers, I thought, were a breath of fresh air just across the board as Birch mentioned John Dobson is a interesting character he was really good even before the match actually just relaxed and understands about promoting the game and, um, and, and enjoying the experience as well the players seem to really like working under him at a very happy camp and some of the rugby they played obviously was outstanding I love the moment where the three front rows linked up with offloads Uh, to to tee up a try. That's what you want from your key three playmakers in the team Um, and it was brilliant to see. But yeah, Munster adapted well. I do agree though that it's the same old question is whether they can evolve beyond that, Munster. And and the concern is that the Stormers brought a really high line speed defence, really high edge. Munster knew that was coming. It was exactly the same the weekend before against Benetton. It has been the same. Their defence coach, Norman Laker, he studied under Jack Aber basically and and tries to implement a lot of the same things. So you, you had a chance to study that, to plan for it. And we didn't really see Munster throw any um good p- punches in that regard. They didn't really have a way over around inside it. Um and they and they reverted to strength. I definitely think it was the right thing to do in this game. But you want to see that development. And and the weekend before we saw them looking to play to width but inaccurately and obviously, it was the start of the season. It was, you know, rustiness was was part of that. But that is a team monster Munster in terms of when they actually try to play to that width. They're not world class at it. So that's a, the progress that needs to happen. And, and a test like that against a high line speed defence was a little bit revealing in, in that regard.
0: Yeah, but they are, in fairness, Bernard, caught between a rock and a hard place there, as Murray suggests, because... Particularly this season, you can afford to lose even fewer games, really. And they were up against it early. They found the correct means of winning that game individually. I guess it's just that if you are to become a more complete team for the latter stages of either this competition or or European competition, you need to start to wheel some of that stuff out in slightly more difficult games. Like, you can't just do it. at home to the Dragons or Zebra or whatever, and in fairness, it's, they haven't only done it when they were almost certain of victory. They did it in some slightly bigger games last season too. But they need to start doing it when push comes to shove if it is going to be a strategy of theirs down the line. And recent history would suggest that it it does need to be a part of their strategy at least for those bigger games.
1: Yeah, I think it's a small sample two games, but when I look just quickly in my mind about. You know, Connacht um, have been very good from their set piece attack, right? So um, they scored two tries, one against Cardiff, um, one against the Bulls from that scrum uh, scrum play. But also, you know, their lineout attack has been quite creative. Leinster's, um, you know, I remember a, a midfield scrum in the first half against Bulls where they gave an inside ball back to Luke McGrath. Like, there's an Ulster have been really sharp in terms of their set piece attack. So Munster have had really good set piece ball, but haven't done anything with it. And I think they mightn't have to be the all singing, all dancing attacking team where they play from deep and and go wide wide i don't know if that's going to they're going to get to that level but if they don't have a threat off their set piece right so against the best teams you need to be able to to get that soft shoulder to get that half line break to get you on the front foot to force a penalty right so how did they get back into the stormers um stormers uh 20 how did they get into the stormers 22 they the stormers i thought were quite harshly uh penalized at the breakdown and that gave him entry points. And then when Munster got there, they were they were excellent. And I think actually I think Munster could be the best in Europe Fight, you know in that pressure game, five yards out, line out mall, picking goals, right? Why? Because Gavin Coombs, and this is no disrespect and it's probably blasphemy to say it, but I think Gavin Coombs is more effective than CJ Stander in that game, right? He's a he's a bigger, more destructive ball carrier. So and then you've R.G. Snyman uh, in in the team, right? So all you need is 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 that extra little bit of power that the opposition don't have, and be really well drilled, and effectively, even though the goal line twenty two dropout is a is a new tactical law change, if you're patient, you'll actually will score, or you'll get a penalty um, if you're if you're if you get there, right? So they need to find a way of getting there more often, um, and I think that's the pressure on Larkham, uh, you know, if, if they need to show more creativity from their their set piece because they've got a good line they've got a good scrum. Um, and for the, within the first three phases, they need to be getting on the front foot, and I haven't really seen an, enough of that. And I think if they got that right this year, plus understood that that mall, that pick and go game, is going to be part of of their weaponry, I don't think they would be far away. I, like, I honestly don't. I honestly think with that pack, the best pack you put Munster, you, you put over Munster, and you use the Landy and Farrell as 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 target setters. Um, and you you explode on you know transition or or, or poor kick uh and you know with likes of averzi and and zeeves etc like that's what the box do the box you know the box score some great tries but generally it's off um uh you know good defensive sets where the opposition have have kicked poorly and then, and then they exploit it so Munster monster do that there's less risk than being a you know a um a, a freeloading team an offloading team and in cup rugby that often is the is the best way so I I'm actually not as negative as a, as maybe a, I thought I could have been you know when I look at how good that pack could be and mainly around well when they're very well drilled right so they're, they're drilled for fairness by Roundtree um, they have good cattle but I just think Coombs and Snyman you know could, they could be the two of the biggest and most destructive ball carriers in, the, in Europe this year
2: and on the attack side like literally all, all you're talking about is one or two strikes a game one or two Moments of cutting the defence. And the box are a really good example. Look at last weekend when there was that slight bit more variety. Like there was one attacking passage where Lou Diago goes out the back and Philly LaRue steps up as a, a bit of a playmaker and they cut the black, All Blacks. And it just makes everything else more effective because suddenly that's in your mind as well as as potential threat. Um, and that's all Munster will get in a, in a big game. It's one or two chances where the, the likes of Leinster or whoever you're playing in a, in a knockout tie have a momentary slip that's all it is and, and you've got to be really ruthless in taking it like let's let's be fair here they're, Munster are, are definitely trending really um, positively in terms of the squad and the players they have Casey and Coombs continuing to impress every time a young player gets a chance now which is in my eyes more than before they're really stepping up and, and taking it and Snyman back like yeah, we've said it so many times, but he's just a ridiculously good rugby player. Everything he does is high quality, high energy. He's incredibly popular, and that has such an effect in just galvanizing everyone. Like the best foreign player signings have had that role. Everyone loves them. All the fans love them. Everyone wants to see them do well, and and they can be a leader in, in that regard as well. So, yeah, he's just he's just brilliant. Even his kick chase is like it's even a like it's relentless. He's so athletic and mobile. You you notice you're kind of like, why isn't he defending around the fringes? And then you see he has the agility and footwork to actually defend in a 13-channel in a and, and recover really well. So it's incredibly exciting that he's back and, and fully fit and, and looking so um, happy to be back on the pitch. Pretty exciting for the
0: tournament as well, if the Stormers are going to continue playing like that under your buddy Dobson Birch, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Uh, I actually don't know Dobson it well. It's uh, Derry Snyman, the, the attack coach, but... um. Uh, he's bringing he's bringing a few of the of the coaches for a uh, Norman Norman as defence coach is coming out as well. But uh, um, yeah, I, I think it is great. And that, for me, they've been a team that I've I've enjoyed the most. Even when you look back at their game against the Benetton, um, there was there was a there was an edge to them. There was a, an exuberance, and they have the the athletes, and obviously they've got some some good players to come back in. But yeah, I, I think that Dobson is the right guy for them, particularly on a tour. You know I just and there's a lot of stuff going on off the field um in in, in the stormers like chaos absolute chaos so having that that manager or, or, or DOR or head coach who can just you know um, I suppose put an arm around this group and get them comfortable happy and uh, look at they they would have been happy with how the game ended but I think they would have left home and park home we're not a million miles away you know um, and that's that's not that's not bad in your first trip over uh, overseas yeah
0: <laughs> It's certainly not. Ulster were overseas themselves. They had a an impressive victory over Zebra. It was pretty much a routine win, Murray, but I don't know. They did what was asked of them ultimately. I, I feel compelled to ask firstly about young Doki. He just seems like he's got his head screwed on. We've spoken plenty in the past about Craig Casey as he was just about emerging at Munster as a, an exciting future Irish nine. And uh, Doke does seem to have similar traits in a lot of ways obviously a goal kicking string to his bow as well and McCooney out now he has this chance very early doors to really set out a stall in Ulster Colours
2: Yeah absolutely he um, I think he's a huge prospect for, for Ireland as well to be honest I, I think he's going to be in there sooner rather later he looks really like a, a starting nine within a couple of years to me honestly I think he has that much potential and that much confidence and, and self-belief obviously he's still learning loads and even in this game we saw that you know he snipes close to the, the Zebra try line early on and, and just gets a little bit isolated, gets turned over. He gets blocked down at one stage, obviously on a, a kind of pass at the base of the scrum. And and those little bits they will round out and polish off are, are really important. But the, the influence in the second half, even the moment where he kicks down the left-hand side, we were talking about it on Monday and the Members podcast, um, kicks down the left-hand side and makes a tackle to force Zebra over their, their try line. A combination of vision, technical skill, Desire and a bit of physicality as well because he is a, a tall and um, strong athlete as well. So he kind of has a, a complete package there um, and by all accounts, like really stepping up and similar to Casey in that regard, kind of snapping at heels and not afraid to throw his his weight around and, and boss people who are older, more experienced than him. Um, so yeah, they've got a number of really promising young players. Others are a little bit further ahead. I thought James Hume was excellent again brilliant footwork Ethan McIlroy obviously took his tries really well Stuart Moore had some nice moments particularly in defence which is a real part of the game that he's been working hard on he had two strips in in tackles in the in the first half alone um, so yeah great to see the young players that they've backed and who have earned their chances really it's not even just a case now of of throwing people in there to, to use that expression it's guys who've earned their spots and who are now putting a lot of pressure on on more established members of the squad so that's a really positive place to be in collectively it wasn't the perfect performance by any means plenty of frustrations there but some really nice moments and Craig Gilroy uh, did, did a couple of brilliant had a couple of brilliant moments for the older lads as well with his lovely assists for two of the tries the second one in particular around the back um, was just beautiful so yeah happy day in, in general for Ulster it felt like that was, uh, it was almost a cloud hanging over Ulster for
0: Wildburn, in the sense that there wasn't so much young talent emerging or being brought through to the senior team. And like, we probably spoke in similar terms about Munster as well for a couple of years, but it seems to have switched very suddenly, like the narrative almost, or the reality really, in that they actually have produced <laughs> a significant number of players, all of whom seem really, really good. And it's almost like the atmosphere there seems better now you know uh, probably just having that little bit more depth that more confidence in themselves they're two from two and ultimately they want to win this competition like so they're going about it the right way so far
1: yeah and, and I, i'll be quite close to um to kieran campbell who was the academy manager and I, I i know he felt that a lot of the criticism directed towards ulster was harsh but there was a period there where the the academy wheel stopped t- stop turning and if you look at there's a, a lot of their forwards are uh, originally came from from Leinster, but it, it does take a while. He said to me, he said to me three or four years ago. He says, "Look, I promise, there's real talent here. We just need to to wait for them to come true." And and you know they they are coming true now. And mainly backs, to be honest. Uh, but Dave McCann is um is a homegrown back row who um who's got a lot to offer. And, and those front five forwards take longer. You know, um they take longer to to come true. So we're seeing you know Nathan Doke and. And James Hume and, the, and these guys, we're seeing them a little bit earlier because of their, um, you know, because of their, of their position. But they are really talented, and I think that's the big thing for Dan is that um, he he's probably weathered the storm a little bit in terms of those young players. They've been very competitive, but just in terms of getting over the line in in, in big games and getting silverware, um, you know, I think Leicester away in the Challenge Cup, and that was an opportunity lost. Now you know the way Leicester started the season, you know, we we can see that that's. Uh, the form is decent there Borwick's done a great job but we I've, i felt them going down to the challenge cup last year was a real opportunity to to win silverware they missed out on that but the most important thing is that those young players look like they're going to become you know very much champions cup level players for ulster some of them already are and maybe internationals for ireland which that ulster haven't had enough of those really to to be able to go into competitions you know confident they're going to they're going to win them and uh, i think they're certainly bright bright sparks there for in terms of where Ulster are going with a lot of homegrown uh, talents, uh, particularly in the in the backs as well. The best Ulster performance
2: of the weekend was Dwayne Vermeule, and I need to swiftly roll back on questioning whether he has the durability on a two-year contract. He was unreal for the Springboks, and I, I, like it was a real reminder of his qualities at the top level not always involved in every aspect of the game but when he ma- picked his moments he made such an impact on the game obviously that key breakdown turnover at the end he had an earlier one some big carries to to rampage over people and just his security and calmness in the backfield as well was really calming for for the the box and in an area they've been kind of exposed when he wasn't there so he was a massive part of that and it is exciting to think of him in amongst those young players and passing on his experience particularly to those forwards like Dave McCann is going to learn so much from him good to see Callum Reid also getting a bit more exposure he's another prospect in the front row and yeah you have Harry Sheridan in the academy now so they'll be hopeful that Vermeulen is going to help that progress with the forward side of as well because they're just they've got too much backs coming out of the academy now <laughs>
0: Birch, Benetton coming to Ravenhill this weekend and thankfully it looks like it's going to be a serious test of Ulster's credentials and I say thankfully in the sense that it's good for the credibility of the competition and we just want to see it more competitive across the board. They're two from two themselves, brilliant win opening weekend, good win again at the weekend just gone and we know from what, two seasons ago or three seasons ago was it, when Benetton going a bit of a run, like it adds so much to even casual fans enjoyment of what was then the pro 14 what's now the URC. so this kind of feels like a bit of a i won't call it a marquee fixture but a really tantalizing fixture to look forward to for the weekend how do you think it's going to go
1: yeah it's massive and you know what they haven't ever feared coming to ireland um uh, you know uh they, they they could have easily beaten munster a, a couple of years ago in a in a key game I, I've, I've been to the rds where they've been really competitive against leinster so even when they were going bad um, and they had a blip, obviously la- last year in particular in the regular season. Um, they haven't feared coming to to Ireland. And I think coming to Belfast again, they'll 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 thrive in that atmosphere, which is obviously Ravenhill. It's going to be red hot. They've had two good wins at home, and um, but the crowd wouldn't be anything like it would be in in Ravenhill. And I think it's just brilliant. I was worried. I didn't know how they were going to uh, kick on from obviously winning the Rainbow Cup. Um, you know they obviously had that easier draw, um, to get into the to, into the final, and then. You know they put in a great performance against the Bulls, but the the key is that they 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 start this season well, and they have started well, and um, I I think a strong Benetton is, is is great for the league, and there's only really Zebra now who who look like um you know they're not going to be competitive. I think the Lions, you know the Lions at home when they eventually get to play down there, um will be will be will be difficult. Uh, so I don't see any easy touch bar by Zebra in the competition, which is a, a huge improvement uh, on where we were.
0: How do you foresee that one going this weekend? Murray Ulster at home to Benetton. Like it's a chance for one of them to really stake a claim early doors and let people know they're very serious about this.
2: Mm, I have to say I would be surprised if Ulster don't win at home and, and they've had that strength in in Kingspan um, but Benetton are in a really nice place even if they don't win this fixture I think they will be competitive they've got a good strong coaching team Kieran Crowley's obviously gone but Marco Bertolami a bit of a legend of Italian rugby is kind of leading that now Paul Gustard is there and I know things didn't go great in, in Harlequins for him but there's no doubt that he's a really high quality coach who'll bring a lot to that environment and has been in some really high performing environments before so he's been a good addition and on top of that like if we're talking about Ulster's young- youngsters we, we've got to talk about Benetton's because some of their younger guys have been like the key performers obviously Leonardo Marin the 19 year old out half came off the bench and scored that winning drop goal last weekend which was a, a brilliant moment but the hooker Lucchese has been an excellent Favretto in the, the number 8 jersey brilliant Menoncello out wide as well these are like you know, guys who've just turned 20 are, are in the process of that and they're stepping up now in the URC and playing really well against good teams and that's really exciting for Benetton first and foremost but also for Italy because we'll end up talking about that again later in the season and, and where they are and, and whether they're going to get better and yeah, this is after a blip in the kind of pro 14 season last year where Benetton couldn't get on a, on a decent run this is back towards the, the trajectory they were on before that which had been really encouraging and had looked like a genuine long term sustainable development and again obviously early days but building on the back of the Rainbow Cup I think it's brilliant to see brilliant for the competition and hopefully a few more um, shocks and surprises in store from, from Benetton this season. Uh, I know we sort of brushed over
0: connaught at home to the Dragons and at home to Zebra and I'm just sort of moving towards predictions time lads two home wins do you reckon?
1: Yeah, I think uh, connor will back it up. They'll, they'll get such confidence, and Zebra are going to get an absolute backlash. You, would, um, I wouldn't like to be, wouldn't like to be in the Zebra bus uh, going into the going going into the game this weekend. I think it's going to be tough. Mer? Hmm.
2: I'm in total agreement. Not going to be a great day for Michael Bradley's lads, but um, they do play some exciting rugby as well. So hopefully it'll be highly watchable. <laughs> hopefully hopefully Scarlet's monster has a little bit more of a 50-50
0: feel to it in the sense that it's at Parky. Scarlet's they are bringing uh, a vein of form into the game having uh, enjoyed a good weekend themselves or sorry enjoyed a good win last weekend themselves how do you see that one going Murray?
2: Oh I think Monster are a but but I do think that's going to be a real battle in the kind of up for grabs in, in those last few minutes maybe even Ben Healy to pop over a 80 meter penalty because <laughs> he's kicking it further and further every single game. That guy has an absolute cannon on him. So um yeah, match winner from Ben Healy go for. What do you reckon, Birch?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think the I think it's going be a great game. I think Scarlets will see opportunities in the Munster defense that the Stormers exploited and they have the the tools to to attack them there, but I think Munster will finally, you know, put a squeeze on them and uh, I think Munster led it. You mentioned young Marins drop goal for uh,
0: Benetton two weeks ago Murray what about young Fionn Higgins for NACE RFC from 378 yards as far as I could tell like I'm not good at <laughs> <laughs> judging distances but he was a long ways out and uh, just unbelievable to see the ARL back listen everybody involved in rugby in this country uh, at grassroots level anyone with a passing interest in it who's a member of a club has been waiting for this and it was a great weekend we had that marquee fixture with Lansdowne Piping Conn um I need to bring you in, though, on on Higgins' drop goal. I saw you tweeted it out. Yeah. It's so mid.
2: There was another 10, 15 metres on it, wasn't there? Like, the connection was just so, so sweet. I don't know if he'll ever... Maybe he's a specialist and we don't know about it, but that is the kind of lifetime connection. It's like the best golfers probably have a shot like that once in their life where they connect with it perfectly and it just flies and flies. I hope, hopefully no one's car got smashed in the car park because it went that far. (laughs) It was a brilliant bit of skill and a nice reminder of the skill that's on offer. And that's been really great to see the last couple of days. The number of brilliant clips of outstanding rugby that just showcase what is going on around the country every weekend. And there is real pride about it being back. I've had loads of messages and people sending me stuff and just reminding us of how brilliant it is that it's back, of how the rugby in a lot of the AL games is better than what you might see in that Leinster Dragons game, for example. It's a lot more enjoyable, um, a lot more attacking intent, and the weather was pretty decent in, in most places. So that helped a lot. And as you say, it's just wonderful for a whole community to be back up and running. Like club rugby is just such a joy it's always one of my regrets every season that because we report so much on professional rugby and there's such interest in it that you, you almost don't get a chance to go and, and be part of that but some of my best experiences and I'd say my best experiences really in, in rugby have been being part of a club and coming through that and having your community and um, yeah it's it's great and and positive that it's back and of high quality we saw lots of Frenchly League Academy, Academy contracted players involved as well they need to get their game time up and and obviously, you don't want them taking game time from guys who've been training away and, and are slogging away. But that lifts the standard of it of it all as well. So it is really positive. And yeah, looking forward to another good weekend of it and plenty more clips from from the likes of John Higgins.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Credit to Dave Mervin as well, who sends previews and wraps for the entire AIL and the women's AIL. Because, as you say, Murray. Um, Again, because of the interest in the professional game, it sort of feels like we have to only squeeze this in almost in passing at times. Now, I know there are dedicated podcasts towards the AIL, uh like the club scene, which is brilliant, but uh, I guess in fairness, most media publications or at least say national publications don't have the resources to be sending people to every AOL game around the country so in a way we are almost dependent on people like Dave who uh, produce at work and reports on a Saturday or Sunday um, and even having those flood back into the inbox was uh, a little bit enjoyable. I obviously want to ask yourself Birch as well about I don't know just the sense of it being back you're you're involved with Bective naturally and um, that's An aspiration of yours, I suppose, to be uh to be more a part of that conversation as well down the line. But just to see club rugby back after such a long way or a long time out, yeah, um, it's brilliant, must be satisfying. And,
1: yeah. And for like so, for players, for for Alec for family members, um, just being back watching their you know, uh, the their friends and family play, and and I think it's a, it's a breath of fresh air to be back, you know, um. You know, I know certainly our numbers are, are really good. We've a, we've a league game against the Tonians uh, on uh, on Saturday and, and just I agree with you, just seeing some of the some of the little highlight clips going around social media. Um some of the games are being streamed, you know, um some of the games are Friday nights. It's just if you get a chance to go out and just support your local club and uh, and uh, watch a bit of domestic rugby, I think um I think it's it's where it's all at and uh, yeah, I'm I'm delighted to be to be still a part of it and, and a back a part of it really. Just to touch upon that marquee fixture from the weekend, Murray. If you
0: were con, you'd be absolutely snapping like because you were unbeaten, coasting towards the title But when the season was curtailed last time out. Then you lose your opener to rivals, friendly rivals, Lansdowne in Dublin. And it's one of your own, albeit from a past life in Paul your who scores the winner. But listen, a blow struck by Lansdowne early doors against probably the favourites in con in what was a tight game. I think a very even game, albeit I didn't see it myself.
2: Yeah, that's the fascinating thing. It's seeing where people pick up after such a long time away from it. I saw Highfield obviously got off to a winning start and they were very frustrated when it, it all got called to cold time on and they weren't able to get promoted. But there's been changes to squads and it'll be fascinating to see how it pans out in terms of the strength. You look at someone like Ternier, they had a big win away to UCC and they've recruited some really strong players who've just kind of come out of professional rugby. Um, you know, the likes of Jordan Cochran, who can make a, a big impact instant, instantly as well. I know UCC had John Hodnett back from injury, but which is another story and an exciting one nonetheless. But just a rejig of squads and the long period might change the, the status quo. Listen, I'll be shocked if Khan don't bounce back and Lansdowne are always going to be really strong. But it was a nice juicy fixture to start and there's going to be a real battle there for for places. As well as the clubs who were threatened by relegation, having had a chance to you know, to to kind of recover and, and rebuild a little bit. Ballon Hinch were, were in that bracket in, in 1A. They had a defeat away to Young Munster who looked impressive based on the, the the rugby I saw. Really balanced attacking performance, nice kicking, nice maul work as as you would expect as well. So, yeah, just brilliant rugby on show and there's going to be plenty more high-quality fixtures like like Lansdowne Corcon.
0: Certainly will be. Women's game as well. Uh, Bernard I suppose it's a little bit of a different conversation in the sense that as we have touched upon previously you have sort of four clubs that uh, seem to be out ahead of the rest of the pack and you had very one-sided victories in what four of those games was it including Railway Union winning what was it 142 nil against Wicklow and uh, (laughs) like let's stress there's absolutely no criticism of a team winning by a high score Uh, if we sort of complain about it or if it seems a little bit uncomfortable, it's only because we want the league as a whole to be better, which just ties into past conversations about creating more talent in the women's game that eventually goes on to represent Ireland in green. But um, listen, at the same time, though, Birch, like, jeez, the women have been waiting just as long as the men, you know, and to have it back at all is, uh,
1: it's one step in the right direction. Yeah, absolutely. And look, it's a function of, that result is a function of, of not having stronger competitions below that, that you have to qualify in, you know, to get up to that level. But that's, that's an issue for that. You'd imagine, or I'd like to hope that that'd be part of this review process. Um, and whoever is the Irish women's coach going forward, whether it's Adam Griggs or somebody else, that they get stuck into the domestic game um, and they work with the clubs to try and obviously make it more competitive. Look, you can't blame the, the, the top four or the top five you know they're doing a great job. They're just kicking on. But um, I suppose from a, a, a strategy point of view, you know, someone needs to be looking at this and saying, well, how can we make it more competitive? Is it coaching? Is it playing numbers? Or is it all all of the above and and, and other things? So that's yeah, that's not going to get fixed overnight. But um, it is good for them to, uh, for the women's game to back the uh, the the league. They're they're playing week in weekend way out now, which is the same as the men's. It's, that's what that's what they that's why they they lace up a pair of boots. So uh, yeah, um, um I'm sure that I'm sure that they're enjoying that as well, and, and they'll build into the season, and and hopefully it's a, it's great competition.
2: Just on Saturday on the 42, gav we'll have a piece around women's AL and domestic rugby on the women's side, um, and it's been really fascinating to speak to some of the coaches involved, and and also to Colleen McEntee in the in the RFU about it. And, like they're obviously well aware that this, those kind of results aren't positive. There's loads of different strands to how it can be better. Coaching the coaches, um, obviously players moving from smaller clubs into those big four. Understandably, um, the, the role of the interpros, international players being away, that step from 18s up to senior rugby. There's there's a whole lot to it, and and that is part of the review that they're doing. You just hope that a review leads to real action because that was the thing I really came away from with is like everyone now that the anger is kind of slightly subsiding after what happened around around the World Cup and and that failure there's just an incredible amount of energy and positivity and desire to actually get more cohesion in that layer underneath the national team and, and upwards onto that national team so It's going to be like a couple of years and a work in progress, but fingers crossed that when we're talking about women's AIL in two or three years' time, that that you're not going to see those big scorelines or at least far, far, um, you know, fewer and far between.
0: Here's hoping. Well, if you are getting over to your club or one of the provinces over the weekend, enjoy it. Murray and Owen Tulin will be back on Monday for the 42 members. It's members.the42.ie if you want to sign up and get access to Rugby Weekly Extra with the two lads and so many other podcasts. The Football Family, I think, are recording simultaneous to ourselves ahead of Ireland's... I was going to say pivotal qualifier away to Azerbaijan absolute dead rubber and yet they feel seismic these days don't they Uh, we've got what Gav Cooney's behind the line sports writing podcast loads of stuff if you uh, go to members.the42.eu you'll see the whole thing laid out in front of you and you can make a call on it then Birch thank you thank you guys see you next week and thank you Murray
2: cheers Gav appreciate
0: it catch you next week until then mind yourselves take it easy I
2: don't think we've met before but I'm the referee on this field.
0: Leinster could have me five mil a year, I wouldn't go. <laughs> it is Robbie Robbie briefly.
1: Little reverse pass Let's go!